0: fucking nerd. That's right, I'm a huge fucking nerd. I like lots of books and computers, cause I am a huge fucking nerd.
1: One-of-a-kind shades made to order by Vaporshades.com. Vaporshades designs the outer layer of the sunglasses just like a wrap on a car. They customize your sunglasses, marbling the paint. The end result is no two pair of sunglasses are alike. Yours will be completely unique to you. Check us out at Vaporshades.com. Use promo code TUTTLE for 15% off your entire order. Get ready for your daily dose of TUTTLE.
2: Uh, The all-time greatest uh, intern slash producer we've ever had, of course, TUTTLE. TUTTLE in Florida.
1: From the Vapor Shades Hobo Fish Camp,
0: it's the TUTTLE Daily Podcast. No wonder nobody likes you, TUTTLE. Everything's a goddamn debate. (laughs) Welcome to another edition of the Tuttle Daily Podcast. I'm going to be really, really quick with this intro. No fillers, no plugs. I just want to let you know what's coming up. I am going to respond to the Bubba the Love Sponge show talking about me on Hot Mike. Now, I'll explain when the segment begins on why they were talking about me. And then after that, I have an interview with a, I guess, one of the greatest hypnosis in the United States of America, Jason Lynette. I have him on for an interview. And then I'm going to wrap everything up today. I want to thank all of you people for listening to my show, sharing it, telling your friends, your family, your loved ones, your neighbors, coworkers. Tell them to check out Tuttle.net. That's Tuttle with two D's, T U D D L net. So, I think it was a week and a half. I did a bit and talked about a story that was about how scientists have discovered and been able to grow human meat out of cells that they get from people. Because they're talking about we're running out of food here in the world, we're becoming so overpopulated they were trying to figure it out can we grow a meat steak a human meat steak from a cell that we get from somebody i thought it was a funny bit maybe it wasn't i mean maybe it sucked maybe somebody thought it was morning zoo hackish type radio but i gave a list of the radio people if i could take a cell from their body and I could grow a steak from it, which radio host or radio people that I've worked with would I eat? And I posted it on YouTube, and I was talking about how I would eat on a Hummel. I don't understand why people would get so upset about that. It is not like I'm going to murder her or kill her or slaughter her. No, that's not the case. I just need one cell. And I thought it was funny. But I got this audio, my producer, Vulture, he ended up sending me this audio. And I have not listened to it yet, but he explained to me that the Bubble Love Sponge show, I guess, was talking about it on the hot mic on Twitch. If you don't know what the hot mic is, that they run a live mic so you can hear what they're saying in the studio during the break, which I get it. It's a great idea. I want you to know, like, I have been away from the BRN for about 13, 14 months, maybe. And not once have I been an asshole. Not once have I talked bad about them. I've made some jokes, but I thought that's what the BRN was all about. Busting balls. It's just jokes, kid. Do you guys really think that I plan on killing And eating on a Hummel? No. And these guys probably didn't even listen to the clip. They just got secondhand word or whatever. And they thought that I wanted to murder her and and eat her. I was just doing a funny, harmless bit. And I'm going to go get some of that audio so you guys can hear it. Because I think it was innocent. And if you'd like to hear the segment that I did, you can go to my YouTube channel. YouTube.com slash Tuttle. I would love for you to listen to it. And I would like to hear your feedback. You can email me, Tuttle at gmail.com. That's Tuttle with two D's, T-U-D-D-L-E at gmail.com. Or you can leave me a voicemail, 407-270-3044. Like I said, I've not listened to this yet. And this is the Bubble Love Sponge Show talking about the segment I did about wanting to eat on a humble steak. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't see it. Somebody sent it to me and was like, uh, do you see this? Yeah, no, sir. (laughs) See, the funny thing is I got completely jobbed out because this wasn't even talked about on terrestrial radio. This was on the hot mic. I mean, it's still getting talked about. I'm sure they did not plug anything. I don't even know if they even said my name in this. What I'm trying to say is I got jobbed out because I am on the hot mic and not on terrestrial radio. And and I'm sure it's because Bubba doesn't want to talk about me, especially it would be punching down for Bubba to talk about this on his show or get mad about it because I'm doing a podcast in a beat-up 2006 PT Cruiser at a place I call the Hobo Fish Camp. So I get it. I, I really do get it. Tuttle made a video about if you could eat a radio personality who would it be eat literally eat this is the thing that i hate most about radio the listeners the listeners are the worst and i'm not talking about all of them what i'm talking about are the ones that want to be a part of their favorite show what can i do to stir things up and i'm sure whoever told anna hummel about this Did not give her the full story about why I was talking about it. This isn't something random that I came up with. This was an actual news story that I was like, oh, this will be, I guess, funny. Apparently not because everybody's taking it seriously now because I said that if I could eat any radio personality, I would want an Anna Hummel ass steak. And now this, once again, has been taken out of context and people are just thinking I'm creepy now and I want to eat on a humble ass steaks. That, that's not the case. But I'm sure they're going to mother F me on this. So, yeah, let's continue with the burial. He's
1: fucking. He's just. I'm not talking about that because I'm not going to fucking give him. The... I'm not. I know. Else. I was just telling. I, I told him that you said you weren't going to talk about it. And I just.
0: I'm a little confused. Aren't you actually talking about it right now? I mean, I know that it's not on the broadcasting side of the terrestrial. You job me out on the hot mic. But why bring it up in the first place? What is your end game? Why even bring it up if Seth, that's another thing, and I'll get to that after I get done with this audio. Why would Seth tell Anna not to talk about it, but Anna bring it up? And then Seth says, I told Anna we're not talking about it. And like I said before, Bubba, of course, I get it. I'm doing a podcast in a, one of the smallest towns in Volusia County. I'm scratching for traction, just like Bubba would say. I'm down at the bottom right now. You guys are doing what I love, which is radio. I thought the BRN was about jokes. I thought the BRN was about busting balls. Isn't that what Bubba built his empire on? Busting balls, messing with people. It's just jokes, kid. But no, you guys didn't want to investigate it. Didn't want to investigate the whole thing because this whole stuff has been taken out of context. That's what radio broadcasters do. They try to control the narrative. Now that I'm on the outside looking in, I'm not allowed to bust balls anymore because you guys do it every single day. You know how many times that we have done offensive stuff that we all knew was going to piss people off, but we still did it anyways, and you're going to get mad because I made a very harmless joke about what radio people I would eat. You guys didn't even talk about that, that I talked about eating Bubba as well. Russ Rollins, Drew Garabo, I said I would eat all of those. But now, because I said I would want an on a Hummel ass steak, you guys are going to get bent out of shape. And like I said before, once this audio is done, I'll get to why this was such a big deal. Because, and I know that it's going to get me a lot of hate. I'm probably going to lose subscribers from the Bubba Army. I hope not. I don't know why you guys would do that, why you would get rid of me or unsubscribe and not listen to this show anymore. Like I said earlier, the show was based on jokes, busting balls, ribs. The other thing that the show was being based on is honesty, the brutal honesty and truth. And we talk about every single thing on the air. And I'm going to talk about it because I think I'm not keeping it real if I don't talk about it. If I don't give you my opinion of why they are so mad because I wanted to eat on a Hummel, it's a parody, people. I don't really want to eat human flesh. I don't want to eat on a Hummel's ass. So I don't understand why people are getting so upset. You guys said you didn't want to talk about it, but you're kind of talking about it right now. I know. I didn't bring it up. I mean,
1: she said it was was weird as fuck. I said I'm not giving it to Clay.
0: The running joke while I was at the BRN was that I was the mole. I was going to be the one that brought the BRN empire crumbling down. And it wasn't me. You know how it makes you feel showing up to work every single day when they think... You're the mole. Let me preface this by saying I am not going to say a single bad word about Bubba at all. I'm just not going to do it. The man is the best broadcaster that I have ever had the opportunity of working with. I mean, bar none, he is head and shoulders above all the other broadcasters that I have ever worked with. And I'm not going to attack Bubba. Bubba gave me all the opportunities, gave me the most opportunities of any broadcaster that I've ever worked with. He let me sit in the studio. He treated me like I was a part of the team. Yes, I messed up and I came back time in and time out. A lot of people want to think that it's because I was desperate and I couldn't go anywhere else. No, that's not it. I like working with Bubba. Is he a saint? No, he's not a saint. He has a lot of character flaws, but when he's behind the mic, nobody is better than him in the business. The guy has done so much for me, even though I mother effed him and screwed him over. I've not said a bad word about him since I've left, but I'll be damned if I'm going to let anybody else on the show. Well, I'll take that back. Like Blitz. Say what you want. Blitz is rough around the edges, but he tells you what's on his mind. But he is also fair. And I think it was one of the best hires that Bubba has made in a while. And it was even more brilliant making Blitz the GM. So Bubba didn't have to deal with all the outside problems or stuff with employees. So Blitz has always been tremendously cool to me. And the great thing about Blitz, he's brutally honest. He will tell you what's on his mind, and he doesn't pussyfoot about it. And Caveman, I respect Caveman because I worked in the bullpen many a days with Caveman, and Caveman is a tremendous worker. But I'll be damned if I'm going to sit back and let Seth punk me out. Like, Seth, I have been nothing but nice to you. I've talked about how I think you're a great producer and I've always wanted the opportunity to be able to work with you. But it just seems like you, every single opportunity you have, you're going to want to try and screw me. You play that nice guy. Oh, I got mentals. I have problems. You walked out of the studio one day. That all could have been a bit. It could have been a work. But I'm telling you right now, if that was real and anybody else would have done that, just walked out of the studio in the middle of the bit, they would have been blacklisted and blackballed and never, ever would have been able to come back to the BRN. And I got to back everything up that I say, because I know people are going to come at me and say, well, Tuttle, you walked out of the studio on Bubba Saw 2. Yeah, I did. But guess what? I was also not an employee of the BRN at the time because I was working at The Bone. I was working on Drew Garabo's show as well as Spice Boy's show at night. I was pulling double duty. So what's going on there? I have my theories of what's going on, but I don't understand the double standard that's going on when it comes to Seth Cush. I think he's great, but is he that great that he can walk out? And this is another thing, people. If I did not show up for work one day, no called, no showed, oh, I would never hear the end of it. So why does Seth get away with all that? What does Seth know? What information does Seth know that makes him so valuable? Because that's the thing about it. It's what you know about people, the secrets, the dirty little lies that you know about somebody. Because I'm telling you right now, if I would have pulled half of the stuff that Seth has done, I would have been fired immediately. And I know a lot of people are going to come back and say, oh, well, you're not as good as Seth. The rock stars, the valuable people, can do whatever they want to do. What I'm saying is, Yes, everybody thought I was the mole. But man, I'm just telling you, Baba, because I like you. I love you as a person. You have done more for me than any other radio person in the world that I have ever had the opportunity to work with. Seth is leaving the first chance that he gets. If he gets a better deal... He is out the door. And do you remember the last couple of guys that left for greener pastures? I know Brent did not screw you over, but he kind of gave you the cold shoulder. You used to call him New York Brent. Now Spice Boy, Spice Boy's is another case. You welcomed his departure. You wished him nothing but the best. And what did he end up doing to you? He ended up bending you over and going in dry did not even give you the courtesy of lube you walked into the studio that day when i was working on spice show as a producer and you gave him that microphone you know what he did with that microphone he used it to prop up his office door so what do you think's gonna happen when you say something or do something to piss seth off He's going to go out there and he is going to bend you over and go and dry. I hope he doesn't because I care about you, Bubba. I just wanted to hear what it was about. Yeah, fuck that. I
1: hear
0: you, He knows exactly what he's trying to do. I mean, I kind of learned from the best. Bubba, haven't you done that with every new market that you've went into? Don and Artie, I think that was out in Reno. You said some really horrible things about those people. And just because I make a joke about if I was going to eat radio people, who would it be? And I'm not even talking about murdering and killing somebody and eating them. I'm talking about if I can get a cell from them and grow a steak from their goddamn body. You guys don't listen. You guys don't research things. You take things completely out of context. And you're going to mother F me and act like I'm desperate? When you've done the exact same thing. And once again, I'm not talking trash about Bubba at all. But what I'm trying to say is, why would Bubba look down on me doing that, making a harmless joke, and then say, oh, well, I, he knows what he's doing? God damn it. But I mean, it's just like, it tight, yeah. I really wish I could understand what Lummy was saying there. Because some I think Seth might have been talking over him. But if you know or can decipher what Lummy was saying there, email me Tuttle at gmail.com because I'm really, really curious. I would hope that Lummy wouldn't throw me under the bus, and I don't think he did, but I kinda would love to know what he said there if you guys know have any clue of what Lummock said. <laughs>
1: Bubba, we see our podcast numbers, What's, what are his YouTube numbers, like 12? No, no, it, it had eight our,
0: Should we turn our podcast... Once again, earlier I talked about the hosts and the other radio people controlling the narrative. I don't put my podcast on YouTube exclusively. I take clips from my podcast and I put it up on YouTube. But that's how it works, people. Seth acts like he is this big know-it-all when it comes to online content. But seriously, that's what you do. You use your other social media platforms to build the audience. I take the audio show that I do and I put it up on YouTube and that was a clip that I decided to drive people to my podcast. I'd be happy to go through the numbers since I started my podcast just to prove to you that I'm not struggling. And for you to say that there's like eight views on the YouTube channel, the last time that I checked, that video had 275 views. I know that that's not a lot. But my podcasting numbers, those numbers are really, really good. And I know that you guys are doing podcasts now. I don't have a terrestrial platform to be able to promote my stuff. Everything that I've got, all of the supporters, subscribers, I had to get all of those tooth and nail. I had to scratch and claw my way. When I first started my podcast the first week, it was really fucking humbling, people. To see that I only had 20 downloads in a day and then a month later I was breaking over 100 a day and then six months later I'm over 600 downloads a day. So it is growing every single time I check it. I'll get the averages. I know what they are. I think the best week that I have had is almost 10,000 downloads in a week and I know that's nothing compared to the people that used to listen to me on the various shows that I've been on the bubble love sponge show the monsters drew grabo mike Kalta, ron and fez the phillips file not as many people are listening to me right now but I'm grinding I'm building an audience and for you to just take a big shit on what I'm doing Hey, Seth, I don't have the luxury of the Tampa Bay Lightning or one of the biggest shows in Tampa Bay to be able to promote the podcast that you're doing. So don't act like you know any more than me, and don't ever dare to talk down to me, Seth, because I'm telling you right now, Seth, put me and you in a room. You have a mic. I have a mic. And let's talk this out because I don't want to do that. I'm calling in on the phone because the host always has the advantage because they can lower the the phone call thing. Bring me to the BRN, and this doesn't have to be on regular radio, but just put me and you in a studio, microphone, you have one, I have one, and let's just go because I'm telling you right now, Seth, You would not be able to handle me one-on-one on on the air. It's just not going to happen. And I know I'm not in anything big, but I am confident enough that if you put me and you in a room to be able to talk and work this thing out, it would not be good for you. Because I want to know what your issue is with me, Seth. Like, for real, be a man. You blocked me. On all the social media, and I know it makes me sound like a bitch. I could care less that you block me, but you block me on everything because I asked my dad, what would you do if one of your workers didn't show up for work because he was watching a hockey game? Now, once again, this all could have been a bit, but I know if any any of the other employees would have done that, they would have been done. They would have been finished. You walking out of the studio... Showed how much of a fucking pussy you are. Once again, could have been set up, could have been a work. I want to know. Like, I would pay great money to be able to find out what you have over Bubba's head that allows you to get away with the stuff that you get away with. The offer is out there, Seth. I don't need to do it on my podcast, but I'm tired of you coming at me. And I know why this was brought up. I know why you did this. You act like you're the good guy, but backhandedly, this is what you do. This is who you are, Seth. You act like the good guy, but you're really not the good guy. You're a dark match Eddie Haskell. You put on this facade for the radio audience. You think that, hey, Seth's a good guy. But the more and more I learn about you, you're nothing but a complete asshole. And I shouldn't be shocked because radio people disappoint me time in and time out. I'm tired of you trying to make yourself look like a saint, which you're not. And the reason why you brought it up is that you have this uncomfortable relationship with Anna Hummel. I mean, I don't know what your agreement is in your marriage, Seth. I have no room to talk because I'm divorced. I'm not married anymore. My marriage absolutely failed. But I know for a fact that if I was pulling and doing the things on the air and making it very apparent of how badly you want to fuck on a Hummel, my wife would be, just would be livid. And I could be way off basis with this whole thing, but it looks like you're just trying to fuck on a Hummel. Or you already have, and you guys are carrying on a relationship, but the way, the uncomfortable way that you prop up on a Hummel, that you always come to her defense, and she didn't need your defense on this one because there is nothing wrong with what I said and I'll say this in closing I know that this is going to get me a lot of heat I know that this is gonna make me most likely lose a lot of supporters and subscribers to my show but guess what I'm to the point where I really don't care I'm never gonna say anything bad about Bubba once again Broadcaster that has done the most for me, the broadcaster that is the best at what he does. So I'm not saying anything bad about Bubba on this one. I'm just saying I'm not going to let bitch boy Seth talk trash about me. I got five paying sponsors on this podcast. So the offer is there, Seth, because I will absolutely destroy you if we were in the studio together. Just Me and you. No moderator, no host, just me and you. I know that this is going to ruin any opportunity of me being back at the BRN. I haven't said one single bad word about Bubba during this rant. And I'm not going to do it. Like I said, Bubba is the best. Bubba is a legend in radio. I am always going to be grateful for everything that he has done for me. But I also don't want the BA, the Bubba Army, to be mad at me. I would hope that you guys would understand that I got to stand up for myself. Because I've worked way too hard and way too long in this business to get pushed around. I know that I made my own bed and I have to lay in it. I've screwed up tremendously in my radio career, but so has Bubba. Bubba's even admitted it. But I hope you guys understand, I'm not hating on Bubba one bit at all. And I hope you guys are not mad at me for it. But it needed to be said. Going to take a quick break. Be back in a few minutes. You are listening to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. He's a nerd? I've only been arrested one time. A radio personality? Professionally, I'm not in the best position that I've ever been in. And hot talk satirizer? You would think, with everything that's going on, a Caucasian like myself wouldn't be able to randomly talk to an African American or a minority. You're listening to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Welcome back to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. I got a great guest on right now. Thanks to my producer, Vulture. He's been booking me some amazing guests. Uh, With this podcast right now, I've been trying to interview people that are interesting. Uh, I I could get uh, probably celebrities on, but celebrities are never going to tell you the truth. They want to give you an image and I I think that's what people have been liking so far on this show because I'm getting real people. I'm getting people that have nothing to hide. They're open and I think that's the type of interviews that people like but right now on the line with me well on video as well too uh, Jason Lynette. Jason man how are you?
2: Doing fantastic. I love what you said there that you know we find that sort of highly polished interview of I heard you have a funny story about a boat and that's how no one talks yeah,
0: it's it's so <laughs> it's so uncomfortable watching some of these late night tv shows where they bring people on because you know when i when i worked in radio i remember the first time that i got bitched out by somebody was uh, the first host and i didn't know any better and i brought the guest in before we were on the air and the host was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I thought maybe you wanted to talk to him before you come. No, we, I want the first meeting to be live on the air because you can never recreate that. Mm-hmm. And 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 those interviews just sound so rehearsed, like on, on Kimmel, Fallon, Colbert. They're They're all overproduced.
2: I just love the transition, though. Let's bring on someone real. So here's a hypnotist. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> Now, before we get into the interview, uh, tell people a little bit about yourself. Uh, What do you do for work? Uh, And and what is your goal?
2: Yeah, so there's several markers in time that I think are the best way to introduce myself. I'm Jason Lynette. I'm here in Springfield, Virginia. And part of my story was that I saw someone do a stage hypnosis show, one of those comedy programs back in college. And just something about that. Piqued my curiosity, and I picked up some books to kind of figure out what that thing was about. And this was a hobby. Meanwhile, you mentioned you were in radio; I was backstage working in production theater. And it was in that time frame that I was learning, and kind of hypnosis had become a bit of a hobby. Then getting into the hypnotherapy side of things, and the sort of secret weapon going into that, in addition to helping clients to overcome fears and change habits and boost their confidence was perhaps the fact that I came from a family where everybody was an entrepreneur. So the idea of launching your own thing was really not that outlandish, was not that out of the ordinary. So that's where I opened up an office in Virginia seeing clients and then over time, I kind of figured out that I had a different take on how the work ought to be done. That's when I started training others. The part of the business though came very natural to me in terms of how do we convey the value How do we listen to a person's needs and basically then connect the dots? So what was happening? So
0: so I'm a little confused. How do you apply hypnosis to help people? Because like here, I'll give you the only time that I've ever known about hypnosis. My mom, when maybe I was like nine or ten. Uh, she was a chain smoker and, and her sister wanted to stop smoking. Now, my mom really had no interest in stopping smoking, but they went to this hypnosis thing. It, it did not work on my aunt, but my mom, she, she stopped smoking. Like, and, and I always thought, man, that was, that was pretty cool. I love but that. Like, <laughs> how do you apply it to help people?
2: Yeah. So first of all, with hypnosis, just to set this off to the side, that it's not a matter of belief or disbelief to simply hop on a resource like scholar.google.com. We find all the neurological studies that have been done pointing to exactly what's happening in the brain. They point to all the research in terms of efficacy of things like smoking cessation, overcoming fears. And for the audience who's watching this visually and even for the folks at home, I will jokingly pat myself on the back as I make the next sentence which is that understand this is coming from someone who has been awarded as hypnotist of the year educator of the year has one of the most downloaded podcasts in the industry Mm -hmm. and has worked with hundreds of thousands of people at this point, I would comfortably say there's not one specific method that's a fit for every single person. So back to the stage hypnosis example, they may dismiss some volunteers. It doesn't mean they cannot be hypnotized. It just means another technique may have been a better fit. Now, what
0: do what do you, what do you say to the people that that you know because you've seen magicians and and oh, yeah. I've worked behind the scenes in, in entertainment? What do you say to the people that was like, oh, he's a plant, he's he's somebody up there that that this hypnotist knows, mm-hmm. and he's up there clucking like a chicken because you know the hypnosis guy threw him a, a twenty spot.
2: Well, and I'll I'm tell you my bad. To,
0: I'm not trying to debunk you, but what I'm trying to say is that you got to understand that's what people think.
2: Well, I'll tell you the fun side of that. That was me up until I saw one of the programs live. And remember, I was working in theatrical stage management at the time. That was my major in college. And the person who came to the university and did a program by accident, he randomly pulled different volunteers from the audience. He happened to pull up a lot of my friends. This created a weird split reality because part of the audience was now going, oh, that person's an actor. It's fake. Like, uh, uh, oh,
0: that's my buddy. That's my drinking. That's my frat boy. Hang on though.
2: I'm watching and that's my friend. And respectfully or disrespectfully, he wasn't that great of an actor, but now he was absolutely genuine on stage. Right there was my greatest convincer. So the truth is, in terms of that stage environment, it comes to the skills of the practitioner. The same as if it's working with a client one-to-one, it's again, based on who, this is a principle of communication. Whoever's the most flexible in their approach has the greatest impact of influence. Mm. So this is where a lot of the work that I've done over the years is for people with public speaking. Here's the most important question I've learned to ask. What's the end goal of your presentation? Here's Mm. my government contractor that needs to give a dry, boring presentation behind the lectern. Here is my impassioned. I'm very close to Washington, d c. Here's my impassionate person who is now a lobbyist who works for nonprofits dealing with foster care programs. And as he said it recently, he goes, "I need to have the audience caring about a problem that they've never had. Otherwise, they won't donate to my foundation. Once I see that end goal, that's what's informing me what techniques to make use of when, where, and why. So it's about the flexibility of the practitioner as opposed to the process itself.
0: Now, are there limitations to what hypnosis can do? Like, like for example, um, an athlete, maybe he's in a slump right now. Maybe he's, you know, one for 20 going into the playoffs right now as a baseball player. Um, is it, it, does it deal more with the brain giving him more confidence? or or does it actually make him a better hitter? Like, I mean, are there limitations to what you can or cannot help people with when it comes to hypnosis?
2: You kind of gave me part of the answer by bringing it into an athletic example, because let's look at, there's two, there's one personal story and there's more of a cultural story that comes to mind, which would be that depending on the skill of the individual, uh, here was, here's a better example. I worked with an opera singer mm. and. Her biggest issue was not necessarily the range. It was as soon as there was anxiety and there was fear, that amount of tension in her mind related to tension in her throat, tension in the rest of the body. And if that fear was there, she could not hit the high note. So it's where at the end of the day, her ability to, which by the way, she corrected me. She goes, it's, I don't hit notes. I caress notes. (laughs) Flexibility. Uh, So it came back to, she did have the ability. I mean, the correlation is also, I worked with a power lifter many years ago Mm -hmm. that he had the reverse problem. A lot of people have in sports, the marathon runner doesn't run the full marathon until race day. They train in different styles to condition their body for readiness for race day. Yeah. Very often the athlete can overperform because of the excitement and the adrenaline of the event. This guy was doing the opposite in his home gym. He could hit record-breaking numbers for that competition. With performance anxiety, he couldn't. So it always comes back to the use of the individual and what they're actually capable of. This Mm. is where I've sometimes had back in the days where most of what I did was the hypnotherapy side. I had the professional golfer on the phone asking me, well, Jason, how often do you play? And as I politely explained, when I do putt-putt with my kids, I'm the one asking to not keep score because they're beating me. If you need advice on your swing, that's not what I do. If you're standing over the ball and you're feeling anxious or terrified, I can probably help you with that better than the golf coach. So it's about right. identifying what that specific need is, but it's working with those public speakers where what happened, this is where it all kind of came together to the work that I do now, where they would find the videos of me at various wellness conferences talking about how the hypnotic principles of communication apply to business. So I'd suddenly have the public speaking client in front of me where. He's got the PhD. He's got the master's degree. He's the most qualified guy in the room, yet he's now shaking like he's back in his third grade math class. So he's in the office working on the fear, but he's seen the business videos of mine online, and he's suddenly now going, hey, could you look at my presentation? So this meshing of the two worlds of not just hypnotizing people to produce a change, but also letting their communication now become even more hypnotic.
0: Now, this I know this is going to sound like a, and it might be a dumb question, but, um, you know, one of the things that's near and dear that I'd like to help out and promote are people that have dealt with trauma, childhood trauma growing up and stuff, because the mind is so interesting, in my opinion, because. There are so many bad things that happen to people growing up that shape them into the people that they are in the future when they're adults. And most time, a a lot of people block that out. I I don't know what you call that, but you know, they, they forget about it. You know, it, it gets like tucked away in like a little, uh, cabinet somewhere where you don't have to think about it. Um, could hypnosis help people? you know, of course they should be speaking to psychiatrists and therapists and stuff like that. but is hypnosis could could that application be used to help people that have been through traumatic experiences?
2: Well, I'd tell you an interesting story and as well as a moment where my opinion on that changed, uh, which would be that the number of truly repressed memories that Uh, In terms of uh, working with clients myself, I've got thousands of students of mine around the world using the methods that I've taught, the number of true repressed memories, as in I have no recollection of that uh, from me as well as my students, I can probably count on one hand. Mm -hmm. So it's actually an exceedingly rare situation. Here's the moment that where my opinion on this changed. I had one day where two different men were booked to work with me. Yeah, and they both came in with the same set of goals, and oddly enough, they didn't know each other. One was like the ten a.m., one was the four p.m., and they both had the same backstory. Now that I'm retired, I want to lose some weight. And here's the moment where everything changed for me: the one in the morning. Well, I'm sixty-five. I've just retired. I want to lose some weight, and you know it's going to be a it's going to be so much easier now that I'm going to be able to cook for myself. I can go to the gym. I'm going to set my own hours. This is probably the best time to do it. The other guy, many hours later, they didn't know each other. They didn't cross paths. Now that I'm retired, I'm 65. I can, you know, want to lose some weight now. And this is going to be impossible. I'm going to want to sit around at home. I'm going to want to go out to dinner more frequently. I don't know if this is the right time to do it. And to give the process some credit, both guys were losing weight. Mm. You can probably guess which one was having a better time of it than the other. To which one point I um, kind of respectfully snapped with the guy who was struggling a bit. The one that was looking at it as a problem to go, you know, funny story of the first day you came in and like flipping a switch. Suddenly the same catalyst. Here was that moment where it was less and less about the specific story and what had happened. And it was more so instead about what it meant to them as the reaction so I've had people over the years, and I'm talking extremely general terms here, because most of the work that I do is no longer of that therapeutic respect. I've had people who came in and mentioned this extremely traumatic thing that no one should go through, especially a five-year-old. Yeah. And for that person, it was every reason why they were the victim of their story. When fast forward a few weeks and hear someone else who comes in, who rattles off the same event, who suddenly now explains... Well, because of that, I now do this nonprofit advocacy so I can now help children so they never have to go through what I did.
0: So it's where from any
2: situation, do we let, it's where I'd say the most, this is the power of language. The word because could either be the most encouraging word in our language or the most debilitating word. Choose a different because. Notice what happens.
0: So everybody always wants to know this. Okay. Now. Everybody has this this image that hypnosis or hypnotists are good with the ladies like can a hypno can a hypnotist go into a bar and be and and use his mind powers to pick up chicks is is what I'm saying Come on now you know everybody has <laughs> right because we've all heard those stories and i and i I've always called b s on them because I've always heard that not everybody can be hypnotized, but you know you've heard these stories of uh, hypnotists like taking advantage of women. I've seen stories and stuff. Well, let me like let me that. jump
2: in right there on that one. Does it that work that be, way? That needs to be addressed right away. Um, a tool is only okay. as good as a tool is only as good as it's put into use. All so right. you take any of the occasional unfortunate news stories. And you change it out for any profession. And it wasn't the hypnosis that was dangerous. It was the individual. I, I jokingly held up my hand as you were asking the question. As I've been with my wife now, she was girlfriend before and now married for going on 13 years. Actually you hypnotized her in a bar. Did
0: you hypnotize her in a bar? <laughs>
2: like, <laughs> this do, is her do, response when someone goes, okay. oh, did he hypnotize you to fall in love with you? Her response <laughs> Oh that's so funny. I've never heard that. That's so original you would ask that. I love her to death.
0: Oh, come on, Milton! <laughs> I I know that it didn't happen, but you know, the audience are, they're all wanting to know. So, yeah. like so I think it's complete. Yeah. It's, that's not the was, world that I that's
2: not the world that I live in uh in terms of what I help people with nowadays. Of course.
0: I'm not saying like, I'm not um, saying you're like some hypnosis, like predator like going around and like Hey, can I bother? I'm trying a to get to the answer. Here, <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, so a couple of thoughts on that. That's not the world I've ever been inside of. That being said, I know a guy who was in that world. And here is the amazing thing of it though. Cuz he goes at the end of the day at the end of the day he goes what I was doing was helping quote nerdy guys realize they had more options. I was teaching them how to open up a conversation. Mm-hmm. I was teaching them how this is a major issue, active listening, to actually listen to someone's answer rather than talk over them, which a lot of people do in conversation. And it's why so many people say they're not good with names. Why? They weren't even listening in the first place. They were thinking of the funny thing to say next rather than actually listen to the person who is talking to them. So what's interesting is that while it's never the world that I've been in, it's often correlated to I work with entrepreneurs in terms of ethical sales, in terms of positive persuasion strategies. How do we actually listen to someone's needs and feed it back to them in such a way that we can serve them even better, which if it's a match, we continue along that journey. If it's not, we have that polite exit point. So as I've seen the inside world of some of the po- folks who do that, what's it called? PUA, pickup artist stuff, which again, it's not the circles that I've run in. Um, it's where at the end of the day, you find what are they teaching? Hypnotic principles for rapport teaching principles for ethical communication. So it's where I always say, and this is the real discovery of all of that. This is why you bring up some of the stories that would pop up where someone gets into trouble. It is so much easier to help somebody using hypnotic principles towards a positive outcome. No, I mean- It's actually so much more difficult to use it towards ill will. And to say it politely or impolitely, to truth be told, the person who gets into trouble because he thinks, oh, she's hypnotized, she's not aware- no, you idiot. It's actually a heightened state of awareness. There's no loss of awareness. There's no loss of control in the process. And she realizes everything. And she calls the police and to say it use the appropriate language here. That asshole's in prison.
0: Yeah, no. And I do remember your name, Jason. And just, I, (laughs) I I, I'm trying to entertain people and I'm sorry that I stepped over you with, Oh no,
2: I wasn't talking about you, buddy. (laughs)
0: No, I know, but (laughs) I was just saying, I, uh, you, you, know, it just, I, I'm just saying, I, I well, look
2: at the example. Here's what a friend of mine would talk about in that world. He goes, here's the guy who's in the corner. Here's the person who's at work, who it's okay for them to date in that building. And he's in his head going, I can't talk to her. I can't talk to her. I can't talk to her. What's that internal dialogue. It's creating anxiety. It's creating fear. And while he's in his head, trying to figure out what do I say to this person? What's happening? He's not actually listening to her. When instead to open up a conversation, to genuinely connect with somebody and actually listen, this is what directly correlates over to the business side of things. Where if I'm on the phone with a client, and here's an example of someone recently where at the end of the conversation, it became clear their messaging was spot on. Their delivery in terms of sales was fantastic. They had a crappy website. They needed a website designer. For me to continue with that sale would have been unethical because that's not what I do. Instead, it became, you know what? Here's a good friend who's a designer. Here's someone I've used. Call them both. I think they're great. So it's where inside of all of our communication to have an ethical outcome for both parties that are involved. I don't want to just sell somebody for the reason that now I've got their money. The ultimate goal is to have that raving fan, which the result of that in the dating industry, I don't know, because again, married 13 years together for 17
0: <laughs> <laughs> what is the weirdest thing that somebody has come to you asking for help with? I, I know like you're you don't know names or whatever. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Like what is the weirdest thing that you somebody's come and said, hey, can you help me with this?
2: Well, I think the, the first step of that is if I start to look at it as being weird, then that's where it lot. remains.
0: Not weird, but just unique. How about yeah. that? Is that a better word? Unique?
2: I'd phrase it this way. You can imagine sometimes a person would call up and they kind of talk around the issue. And I'm sensing you have a similar sense of humor than I I do. And she calls up and she goes, well, my husband and I were very traditional and we didn't live together until we got married. And now that we're living in the same house... There's some things about him that I didn't know. And they're very concerning to me. And I was thinking hypnosis might be helpful here. And I'm now, I'm now jumping in. The imagination is going to some colorful places. I need in on this. I need in. Yeah. And I'm now chiming in to go, well, if it's something that he needs to address, then he should be the one calling me because he'd be, no, no, no. I think it's something I should work on first. And this goes on for five minutes. Mm -hmm. She's not saying the issue. And finally, I just say. I'm sorry to jump in and be this direct, but what is it that needs to change? And she then hits me with it. Well, my husband's jaw clicks when he eats and he refuses oh. to go to the dentist. And the sound is driving me crazy. Could you hypnotize me so his clicking jaw doesn't bother me anymore?
0: No, so she didn't want to help him. She wanted to help herself where. Well, I he was someone to... who
2: was refusing the work. Yeah. He was going, I don't want to go to the dentist. There's nothing wrong with me, which ended the story. He eventually did. And they fixed the thing. But she was taking down the annoyance factor of having to listen to that thing. Mm. So it always comes about to looking at what's the person's set of goals? What are their needs? It's where at one point in my career, when the focus was on individual clients, I had seven people in one day all quitting smoking. And every session was different, not for the sake of novelty for my entertainment factor, but instead everyone came in with a different set of goals. This person had to quit because of an upcoming surgery. This person wanted to quit because there was a kid on the way and he didn't want to be sneaking out of the house anymore to smoke. Here was the person that was in the early stages of a scary diagnosis and now it become real. Here was the person who a family friend just died from lung cancer. To treat the issue as opposed to the individual is the flaw here. And instead, listen to what people's needs are. This is where, as I talk about the applications of hypnotic principles for business, one of the most important questions you could possibly ask is, what does that mean to you? So rather than talk at the person instead, we can use a little bit of language here to go for an ambiguity. Well, as you consider this service, think about the changes that will make in your business. Now you've got them nodding. And the important question to now ask is, what does that mean for you? Because the mistake would be to go into a sales conversation and go, hey, I can help you book more clients. When Here's someone I worked with recently that was seeing... 20 or certain 30 clients a week and wanted now more premium clients. The goal was to work with less people, but to have them more long-term and produce greater value for their business. So by asking, what does that mean for you? What does that success look like? Assuming we've worked together and you're on the other side of this issue, what's that story you want to be telling? The strongest influence are not the words that we can be clever and come up with ourselves, but what we can instead elicit from that person in front of them which again, brings in the ethical component. If we can actually satisfy that result, fantastic. If not, we can make a recommendation or simply wish them the best.
0: Can hypnosis, because you brought that up and, and it made me think of this question, you know, somebody dealing with grief, can, can hypnosis help that though? Like not the person, you know, of course, the person that, maybe it's a loved one that that died or something and that person person is grieving, It can hypnosis in any way, I mean, I'm not saying completely, but maybe soften the pain, the hurt, and stuff that people are going through.
2: Yeah, I'd tell you a quick story here, which is that, you know, when when the focus of what I was doing was more so seeing clients, which is a smaller part of what I do nowadays of a therapeutic respect. These days, I tend to only see business-related clients working with personal issues, fear of failure, fear of success, uh, imposter syndrome being a major factor of that too, the language work. what What
0: is imposter syndrome?
2: Imposter syndrome would be that sort of mindset of what if I get found out, where you'd hear this even from amazingly successful actors, and even I've had politicians I've had this conversation with of who am I to be doing this? where a lot of people that becomes part of that backstory as oh, to, so they
0: don't feel like they belong. They don't think that they're good enough to be.
2: Yeah. The, this is a massive, massive issue. in and in, really, in business. yeah. So so back to your question though. Uh, my, when I'm teaching hypnosis certification programs, I actually help organize the training program for one of the major groups. Now my ethics talk is very simple. I go scope of practice, scope of practice, scope of practice. So I'm always looking at, as you did earlier, What might be something that a psychiatric result may be a better fit for? What perhaps would be a better counseling result? Grief is one of those things. And this is, again, dating back to when I was primarily seeing clients, where I would say that if it's immediate, I tend to endorse that person to go off and find specifically a counselor who specializes in grief. If let's say it was the event 10 years ago and they're still holding on to it, that's now a fit. The exception here, this, this woman eventually became a business consulting student as well of mine because she was trying to build a business and what had happened, her, her way of delivering was kind of amazing where everything was going great and suddenly the husband had a heart attack and was gone. And as she put it, she goes, I need to process this, but I need to process it faster. And it was actually in Virginia here, a local psychologist who actually said, call Jason. And so working in conjunction, having the, you know, referral come over, what we basically did was this is where we're getting into hypnotherapeutic technique, but cool. What happened was we basically talked through the grief cycle in terms of you're in this stage and then there's bargaining then there's this, and there's the acceptance of talking through that. And that helped her to process that cycle even faster. So that was, again, you know, a I- very specific example by way of referral.
0: Yeah, no, I, I wasn't for sure, like, if hypnosis, like, if you could put up, like, a wall or something that not makes them forget about that, but, mm-hmm. but makes them kind of forget about how much it hurts. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that was just a dumb question. Oh, no, it's a great know?
2: question, because actually this specific person, again, of course, not getting into specifics, as she put it, she goes, I've been really good at compartmentalizing my life. All that I can remember. She goes, it's one of my strengths. She goes, I was an athlete in college. And here's the horrible breakup that I was going through. But then when I had the cross stick in my hands and I was out in the field, watch out. That she goes, all of that emotional stuff that I was dealing with disappeared. She goes, as an educator now, she was a teacher too. She goes, I was able to connect with the students. She goes, now that I'm building my own business, it's creeping in. So she was asking for the ability, not necessarily, as you said, to delete it or even pretend it didn't happen, but something that we call anchoring. That when she was in that mode of working on her business, as she was in the mode of writing the copy for the websites, turning on the video camera and doing videos to promote her service, she goes, I could grieve in the evenings. I can compartmentalize that this is the time that I do that. Where almost, it became the metaphor was that of Like she gave me the meta, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was at a theme park when it's hot, (laughs) (laughs) they have these misting stations that you walk through. She goes, when I go through the threshold of the door of the office where I work, she goes, I need to leave some of the personal world behind because it's now about serving my students and my clients. When I go back home, I can pick back up. And she goes, and occasionally if I have the day where just something has reminded me of him. I can have that ability to kind of take some time, do a quick technique, and calm that down. But she goes, "I need to have my focus on my students and my clients in those moments."
0: Well, Jason, I I seriously I I could sit here with you for uh, like an hour or two just talking about all this. Oh, stuff. me
2: too. You asked some great questions.
0: Um, tell people how they can check you out, and 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 if if you did enjoy this, I I do want to have you on again because, um. I I want to think of some things that, uh, you know, that, that I'm dealing with that maybe, you know, well, I'm not talking like a full session, but maybe yeah. we can do like a, a speed round of something that maybe you can teach me some techniques or something that I can use to be able to deal with stuff. Because, um, I, I was a bipolar manic depressive, um, um, I, there was a lot of things that I did, I'd spend some time in an institution, not not like a really, really long time, but I made a lot of changes there. And, and the thing is, is that some of the things I deal with is that, yes, I'm off of all those medications right now. And when I was on them, I was in the middle, I was never up, I was never high. But now I I get to experience joy now, like pure joy. But there are some pretty crappy days, though. You know, without
2: life. And I would encourage anyone out there who's listening, this is not necessarily a close your eyes, deep hypnosis, hypnosis process. Here's a simple hypnotic shift that you can play with. Mm -hmm. When we find ourselves in a problematic mode of thinking whether it's craving, whether it's desire, whether it's stress or even fear, the metaphor becomes, it's like the horse with the blinders. It's like the single pinpoint spotlight shining on one specific thing. And that becomes that one focus of control in front of us. That becomes all that we focus on. But now imagine while we're using theatrical lighting as the metaphor, as if someone flipped a switch and now full fluorescent work lights turn on. The quality of lighting like you'd see in Walmart, (laughs) where everything is lit to the same degree. And the simple hypnotic statement becomes, notice what happens when you notice everything it is that you were not yet noticing. Mm. We're suddenly from that perspective to notice everything it is you were not yet noticing. What that does is it zooms us out of that horse with the blinders moment. It helps us to suddenly realize, okay, this part of life may be crap right now, but I can do this. I can do this. And just by changing that focus, it's the classic Wayne Dyer quote, that when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at begin to change. But back to the story I told of the two guys, they had the same story. For one, it was every reason. I got this. This is going to be easy. For the other one, it was every point of conflict. And just that little bit of a mental shift, just to kind of play with that focus. What would happen if you zoomed out of it and observed everything? I give the example of the cigarette smoker. This was the biggest breakthrough for those people for me, where Mm -hmm. it used to be the biggest thing in their mind. But by doing this little bit of a mental shift, suddenly it was the smallest, least significant part of their environment. And yeah, I don't need that crap anymore. I'm fine. And that would even burst through cravings, withdrawal, all the chemical stuff, because now that mindset overrode every bit of that.
0: When I have you on again, and and I want to talk to you about this, because I've been doing some research, I've never taken like hallucinogens and stuff like that. But, you know, some people are saying like from experiences I've heard, and, and I don't know how much you know about this, but like DMT people that do stuff like that. They say that they have those because you were talking about the blinders. Because I've heard a lot of people that say when they've taken it that they're able to see multiple type scenarios at the same time that they weren't uh, enlightened to. And 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 I've always been interested about that. Are 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 they really getting those type of awakenings, or are they just having a really good trip? And and their I think you'll like
2: my answer to this. And understand this is coming from the guy who quit drinking because it only made me sleepy.
0: So. I've, I've, I'm sober a year and a half
2: now. Oh, good for you. Congrats. Um, while that's not necessarily my expertise of those specific substances, that being said, if the mind can imagine it, we can create it on purpose. So the same as the person in business it's a strategy I teach about visualizing that success and notice what happens as you step inside of it. You'd ask for how to track me down. I do a podcast where I teach a lot of these principles called Hypnotic Language Hacks. It releases on YouTube and everywhere else you can find podcasts. You can track that down. So Hypnotic Language Hacks. Then for my website, that's jasonlanette.com with one N, and two t's no extra letters at the end but don't stress too much about the misspellings because i own all of them and they all point <laughs> yeah i i there I've, by the way let me yeah. give a specific plug here mm-hmm. when you head to jasonlinette.com click the tab at the top for business influence systems there's a free on-demand webinar presentation that teaches about seven rapid fire influence strategies in about 15 minutes time.
0: Can, can anybody catch, like, do you have a YouTube channel if people want to see any of your videos, you in action or, or, do you, yeah, do you... I'd
2: actually say, just do a search for Jason Lynette as yeah. uh, my name because there's Virginia hypnosis, which is a local business. There's work smart hypnosis, which is an international training company teaching hypnotists how to do hypnosis better. And I'm here representing Jason Lynette being myself here, but that's where I teach people who are business owners how to use hypnotic language patterns for ethical influence and positive persuasion. So search me and you'll find a little bit of everything.
0: Well, Jason, I really, really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this interview and, and I would love to have you on again in the near future All right. Hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Sorry I went on a little bit of a rant. Uh, I'm starting to finally get the audio issue fixed that I have for when I do interviews, and and I think the next one, I think I'm going to nail the audio, and it's going to sound better. Because I my audio was better, but the person, the interview uh, guest that I had on still sounded way better than I did. Make sure you go and check out my website, Tuttle.net. That's Tuttle with two D's, dot enet Join my Reddit page. And if you don't know what Reddit is, that's a forum. It's like a web board. Just go to Reddit.com, search The Tuttle Daily Podcast. You guys can post whatever you want to make sure you subscribe to my youtube channel youtube.com slash tuttle and if you'd like to help out the cause donate any money uh it's all going to go to buying better equipment so the show will be better you can do that by going to my paypal paypal.me slash tuttle on the radio hope you guys enjoyed today's show and i will talk to you tomorrow
1: concerns or do you just want to let tuttle know he's being a dickhead tuttle at gmail.com that's tuttle with two d's at gmail.com to follow all of tuttle's social media go to tuttle.net thanks again for all your support and we'll see you tomorrow on the tuttle daily podcast
0: hey yo, terry what's going on